to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. When we come together, we're to come with something to give as well as something to receive. Yes, we want to receive, and that's perfectly fine. But it's not just about us receiving. When you think about this and you think about how often people leave a church, and oftentimes they say, well, I don't get anything out of it. Well, here's the question. Did you ever give anything back to it? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 40, in a message titled, The Gifts of the Spirit and the Building Up of the Church. Now, here's Pastor Brian. These are, in my opinion, the most difficult verses in the Bible to understand. Some challenging statements in the Bible. This is the most challenging. Because it seems like Paul is saying one thing here, and then as he moves on, it seems like he says the exact opposite of what he previously said. And so it has been a dilemma for Bible teachers to try to really understand what in the world is the apostle saying. Now, like I said, they seem to have thought that the more tongues there were spoken among them, the more likely the presence of God was to be in their midst. But as we see, Paul says everyone, if everyone is speaking in tongues and an outsider comes in among you, they are going to think you're out of your minds rather than in the presence of God. So it seems like, and notice I'm saying it seems like because it is challenging. It seems like Paul is saying to them, if you're going to think of tongues as a sign, because that seems like what they were doing, then know it is a sign for unbelievers. And since it is a sign for To unbelievers, you shouldn't use it as a sign among believers. So they are apparently thinking that it's a sign for believers that the more tongues that are going on, the more evidence of God's presence among us in the believers' meeting. But Paul is saying to them, he's saying the sign is not to believers, it is to unbelievers. Tongues is a sign to unbelievers. Now, he says prophecy, however, is for believers to manifest God's presence in our midst. So if an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in and hears you speaking in words they can understand. They can't understand tongues, but they can understand prophecy. They come in hearing you speak in words that they can understand. They will be convicted by the prophetic word and confess that God is among you. So, again, very complicated 
way that Paul is wording it. This is one of those places where you wish you could just say, Paul, could you explain that? Could, could you say that again? <laughs> Wait, I, I didn't quite get it. And there have been different attempts by various scholars to, to try to sort out what Paul is saying here. One scholar at one point suggested that verse 22 should not be understood as, as statements, but as rhetorical questions. Are tongues then a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers? Is prophecy, therefore, not for unbelievers, but for believers? So all of this to say, it, it is a complicated passage. But again, in the context, it seems that Paul is clearly pushing back against this idea of multiple persons speaking in tongues without an interpreter and thinking that this is the way people are going to see God in our midst. Paul says, no, they're going to think you're crazy. The way they're going to see God in your midst is through prophecy, through people speaking those words of edification and encouragement and comfort And as they come into your midst, they will hear those words in intelligible speech, and they will be convicted by those. They will be spoken to by those, and they will then themselves respond. So that seems to be what is happening here. Now, in verse 26, Paul says this, "'What then shall we say, brothers and sisters?' When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Now, what Paul is saying here is that when you come to the gathering, come to give, not only to get. And how often do we think about that? When we are coming to the gathering of God's people, how often are we thinking about giving? Are we not more often thinking about receiving? But Paul wants us to understand, no, when we come together, we're to come with something to give as well as something to receive. Yes, we want to receive, and that's perfectly fine. But it's not just about us receiving. When you think about this and you think about how often people leave a church, and oftentimes they say, well, I don't get anything out of it. Well, here's the question. Did you ever give anything back to it? See, it's not primarily to get something out of it, although that's part of it. Of course, you, you, know, you want to be built up, and, and, and God does intend that. But it's not just about that. It is about a mutual giving and receiving. So coming to give, not only to get, and then he mentions these things. Some come with a hymn. Some with a word of instruction. Some with a revelation. Some with a tongue. Some with an interpretation. 
So when we prepare to come to gather with God's people, we should be seeking the Lord on what we might give. Maybe it's a hymn. Maybe it's an instruction. Maybe it's a revelation. Maybe it's something God's shown you. Maybe it is a tongue. Or maybe it's an interpretation for a tongue. This is something that needs to just work its way through the body. And I think what Paul is describing here, now, these churches back at this time were generally smaller congregations. Many times they met in homes. Sometimes they met in other locations, but they were smaller congregations. And so you can imagine in a smaller setting that these kinds of things are more manageable and, and, and happen more easily. The larger the environment, the more challenging and the more difficult it might become. But if we understand that these things do not have to happen on an official level in the sense that these things have to happen from a platform, but these things actually can and should happen just in our midst as we gather together, then it makes it more realistic. So here you are, you come to church. God's really put something on your heart. You're not gonna come up here to the pulpit and share it with everybody, but you're gonna share it with somebody. And so you're here just like, Lord, who is this for? And then as you connect with brothers and sisters, as you spend time, as you see one another, as you talk a little bit and so forth, then it's like, oh man, I think this word is for you. So you see, it, it happens like that. So I was at a conference a couple days ago and I was doing a, a seminar and the person before me was doing a, a seminar that was similar. It was funny because we know each other we knew we were both speaking at the same conference, but neither one of us had any idea what the other was speaking about, nor did we know that we were going to speak back to back. And he was speaking about gifts of the Spirit and things like that, the moving of the Spirit and so forth. And when I got up to speak, I said, you know, it's interesting that even the order, even the arrangement here today is something the Spirit has done because neither one of us had had any conversation with each other. Neither one of us had any idea what the other was going to talk about, and yet I'm just going to pick up where he left off because my message just flows from what he said. And it's like you see the hand of the Lord on that. And, you know, my prayer today in coming here to, to preach is, Lord, we want to learn about this stuff, obviously, and you want us to learn about it, and we need to be informed, and we need to know, you know what's the proper and improper ways and all of that, but this is not just for that. God, of course, knows it. I mean, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know, and I'm not expressing anything to him that he doesn't desire for us. And what I am praying, what we are praying, and what we want to see God do is 
begin to move among us in ways where we take these gifts and we start to use them as the Spirit would lead us. But I think it starts with coming ready to give, looking for an opportunity to give. You know, something that I've done for decades now. I, you know, I go to a lot of conferences. A lot, a lot of times conferences have hundreds of people at them. And I love them, they're great, but sometimes they're super stressful because you're like, there's hundreds of people here and you wanna talk to a lot of people, but you know, who do I talk to? Who, do I not, who don't I talk to? So here's what I've been doing for a long time now. Before I go to a conference, I just say this, Lord, there are people there that you want me to connect with and you want to connect with me. So out of the hundreds of people here, put those moments together so I can connect with the people you want me to connect with. And I have found God is so faithful over all these years that I can, I can go to a conference and, and as I'm approaching the end of the conference, I just know there's one more person. I've, I've maybe connected with five people. I know, but there's one more person. I don't know who it is, but I just sense there's one more person the Lord wants me to connect with. And boom, sure enough, connects me. And then time to leave the conference, I feel like, you know what? I connected here with the people that God wanted me to connect with so I could encourage them and they could encourage me. And I'm sharing that because I think if we come to our gatherings like that, just saying, Lord, I'm coming, and and I'm coming, Lord, I need you today. I need you to speak to me. I need to be blessed. I need to be strengthened. I need to be encouraged. I need a prophetic word, whether it's from the pulpit or wherever else, but Lord, I want to also give. That is, I think, what we want to see. I think that's what God wants to see. Now, let's just go real quickly through the rest of the verses here, 27 through 33, then we're gonna jump down from uh, verse 33 to 39 and 40. So verse 27 if anyone speaks in a tongue, now here, here Paul is giving the very practical instruction here on how to do this in a group. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak. One at a time. It's not to be a chorus of tongues. It's to be one at a time. And someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So this is the rule. Now, all the craziness that goes on in charismatic and Pentecostal churches could be averted if they just simply read this verse and applied it. It doesn't stop you from speaking in tongues. It just puts it in an order that's appropriate. And notice that Paul says, if there's no interpreter... The speaker should keep quiet in the church. In other words, don't vocalize it, but speak to yourself and to God. So there's a place to do that. Many times in a meeting, I have been next to somebody who I have heard under their breath speaking in tongues. That's what they're doing, what Paul said to do. If this is welling up in you, but there's no interpreter, just do it to yourself 
or do it with yourself there before God. Now, prophecy. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and be encouraged. Important statement in verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So you see, Paul is just laying out a way for these things to function in an orderly fashion. So if someone's prophesying, one person at a time. People are listening. People are judging. Yep, that's from the Lord. That's from the Lord. And then if God has put something else on somebody else's heart, wait till this person's done and then share. But then this this statement in verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. In other words, a person is not going to be taken over by the spirit and do things that are out of their control. And when you see this in charismatic gatherings, you know that this is an abuse. This isn't the way it's supposed to be done. Somebody goes off in some ecstatic thing. Somebody goes off in a tongue. Somebody goes off in a prophecy. Five people are doing it all at once. And then you say, hey, you know, that, that's not right. I couldn't help it. The Spirit took hold of me. It was the Spirit who did it. No, it wasn't the Spirit who did it. Because here it tells us that the Spirit doesn't do that. The Spirit is subject to the prophets. In other words, you have control. Because otherwise... It would be mass confusion. So God is not a God of disorder. He's not a God of chaos. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. So in other words, there's going to be an air of peace as these things are happening. It's not going to be weird, freaky weird, scary, I don't ever want to go back there again type of thing. If it is that, then it's not the spirit of God. When I was a kid, there was a Pentecostal church on the corner of the street that I lived on. And once in a while, my friends and I, we were really young, you know, probably 9, 10 or something like that. Once in a while, we would go in that church and it was an absolute freak show. It was scary. I mean, we ran out of that place. They were doing all the kinds of stuff that Paul is talking about here. And, you know, that did not make me want to go to church. It made me want to stay away from that place right there. So when the Spirit of God is moving, remember the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. When the Spirit of God is moving, there's peace. And so everything is to be done. Look in verse 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So, a few closing questions. Where should we expect to see these things happening? Well, as I said, the context for Paul are these house churches, these relatively smaller gatherings, 
And so in our community groups and other small groups, we should expect and long to see things happening in those kinds of environments. And also here in our gatherings or wherever we gather together as the Lord's people, the different context will bring different manifestations of these gifts. So in other words, it's going to work a little bit differently depending on the context that we're in. So if we're in a small group, it's going to manifest itself in one way, very, very much, I think, like Paul says here. If there's tongues, make sure there's an interpreter. If there's prophecy, two or three at the most. Let others judge, each in order. So in a smaller environment, that can easily be very controlled. But in a larger environment, you know, if I said this morning, okay, we're going to all just right now, let's just wait on the Lord. Let's wait for a prophecy, maybe a tongue and an interpretation. No matter how sincere we would be, it would be challenging and difficult in a place like this. Because say somebody back there has a prophetic word and they stand up to share it and you guys over there are like, what, what, are, I, what are they saying? I don't know what's going on. So practically cannot be done in this kind of an environment. But it can be done in the way that I shared earlier about the woman and the other woman. And so as we interact with each other before church, as we interact with each other after church. That's why we encourage you, don't just bolt out the door, jump in your car and go home. Stick around and see what the Lord will do. Stay around in the room and see what God will do. And so, final word. Eagerly desire the best gifts. That's Paul's word. Eagerly desire. Remember love is the only legitimate motivation and atmosphere of the gifts. For those of you that know you have these gifts, but maybe you have not exercised them, stir up the gift that is in you. Stir up that gift. Fan it to full flame. Those are Paul's words to Timothy. Stir up the gift that is in you. And then, for those that maybe aren't certain, ask God to impart or reveal the gifts he's given to you, and then step out and use them. Step out and use them. Now, just a word of encouragement. This can initially be a little bit intimidating because you think, well, gosh, what if I'm wrong or what if I... What if I'm perceived to be weird or, or something like that? But, you, you know, we just, we just have to press through that. We have to just say, okay, you know, Lord, I, I'm just going to do this because I think you want me to. And you will be amazed at what you will find in response to that. I mean, you might be sweating like, oh, like, I can't say this. It's just going to seem so weird. And then finally, you muster up the courage and you say, well, I, I'm just going to say this. I think the Lord maybe wants to. And then you say something and the person's like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Like, that is the exact word I needed to hear from the Lord. That's what happened. And so 
step out and use the gifts. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a timely resource titled One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. Has a skeptic in your life ever stumped you with questions regarding God, social ethics, or supposed contradictions in the Bible? Well, with this book, One Minute Answers to Skeptics, concise responses to the top 50 objections and questions by Charlie Campbell, you can be equipped to address the questions of skeptics on those exact topics and many others. If you want to be equipped to always be ready to give a defense of the faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.